A uh, question for the ages, or maybe for the sages who are present here today. Can anything good come out of Wilmore? Not Wilmore, Pennsylvania. There's another Wilmore, population 225, but uh, Wilmore, Kentucky, that remarkable city that doubled its population last September, September and is poised to double its population again this September. That uh, wonderful city with with the with the lighted cross on atop its tallest tower. That city next to the Kentucky River Palisades and the Brooklyn Bridge. That uh, celebrity city with uh, luminaries so famous we know them all by their first names: Andy, uh, Barney, Opie. Aunt B, Gomer, Harold, Leonard, Jody, Clay, Tim, even. Uh, that, that city, that, that Wilmore, can anything good come out of that Wilmore? And yes, of course, is there not over here on Lexington Avenue a statue of Francis Asbury, the pale rider coming out of Wilmore? And, and you, if you're a new student here or an old student here, when you graduate, do you not plan to be something good coming out of Wilmore? Now, when Nathaniel asked the question, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said, come and see. But Philip didn't take Nathaniel to see Nazareth. He took Nathaniel to see Jesus, who full of the Holy Spirit was beginning his ministry. He came in the power of the Holy Spirit, says Luke. And when Jesus reaches Nazareth, he says of himself, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And so Nathaniel's question wasn't really about a place, it was about a person. Jesus was coming out of Nazareth in the fullness of the Spirit on the errand of the Father. Now, I think that's key in helping us to see why Jesus later on tells his disciples to wait in Jerusalem. He says, you'll be my witnesses, but first of all, you've got to sit tight, you've got to pray hard, you've got to stand by for the promise of the Father. But why wait in Jerusalem of all places? Jesus had wept when he had recently thought of Jerusalem and uh, thought of how it had killed the prophets and how it had now rejected him. And moreover, Jerusalem's spiritual and moral state was symptomatic of an overall decline. Except for the temple, Jerusalem wasn't a place you would write home about anymore. Uh, it was a sullen, has-been place that was obsessed with its vassalage to Rome and wasn't even the capital of the province that contained it anymore. And even the temple was under threat. It would only be a few years until Titus and Tiberius Caesar marched their troops into that uppity thorn of a city and seized it and sacked it and smashed its temple to smithereens and said basically good riddance. And it wasn't long after that until the Emperor Hadrian uh, not only depopulated the city of Jews but repopulated it with Gentiles and named it after himself. And yet something good did come out of Jerusalem in those days. A band of disciples who, like Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit. For you see, they did wait, and they got what they were waiting for, the dunamis, the energia, 
the charisma that they needed in order to be Jesus' witnesses. Now, the coming of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost gave the disciples at least two prerequisites for becoming his witnesses in the world. First of all, they got a world vision. The nations at Pentecost covered most of the Roman Empire, even Rome 1,400 miles away. The harvest was over, and so uh, people were free to come. So diaspora Jews from as far away as Rome came to Jerusalem, and they came for an extended stay. And there were others there who had made Aliyah, who were retirees, who, had, who were now living in Jerusalem uh, for good. And the result was a cultural array of Jews and proselytes in the temple precincts that you could not have duplicated anywhere else. Pretty exciting time. However, imagine the escalation of that excitement when the Holy Spirit blew into that mix with uh, rushing wind sound effects and a dazzling display of pyrotechnic tongues and uh, a state-of-the-art uh, translation service. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, Jesus had promised. Well, the Holy Spirit had come, and launch day was here for an errand that was going to take them from across the street to around the world. Pentecost gave them a new vision. More than that, it gave them a new vocation. Second, they got power for witnessing. After the resurrection, Jesus had breathed on them and said, receive the spirit. And at that moment, they received the spirit and new life. But at Pentecost, they got something more. They got power for witnessing. And without it, the gospel wouldn't have advanced. And down through the generations, that, that, really, hasn't, that really hasn't changed. I'll give you a couple of case studies. January 1st, 1739, New Year's Day, London. It's been six months since Aldersgate when John Wesley's heart was strangely warmed. It's 3 a.m. and John and his brother Charles and George Whitfield and 60 other people are praying and suddenly the Holy Spirit comes on them mightily and they leave that prayer meeting changed people. That very year, John Wesley began his field preaching career and England would never be the same. That very year, 50 of Charles Wesley's hymns were published and 6,000 more were to come. That very year, George Whitfield made his first voyage to America and his preaching in Philadelphia was such that it moved the whole city and Ben Franklin was moved to write, it seemed as if the whole world were turning religious. Case study two, New York, 1871. When two free Methodist women tell D.L. Moody they're praying for him to receive the fullness of the spirit, he decides to pray with them, and he prays until he gets it. He seldom spoke of that day, but when he did, this is what he wrote. Oh, what a day. I had such an experience of God's love that I had to ask him to stay his hand. Case study number three, Wilmore, 1905. Four Asbury College students on a winter's night are filled with the spirit as they pray and they shout and they praise God and they keep everybody in the house up all night. But the next day they go to chapel at Asbury College and when they do, the whole student body experiences revival, just as they did in 1970. And then the whole town 
And people come from all over the place to see what's going on in, in Wilmore. But who were those four students? Well, one of them would become the most inspiring missionary of the 20th century, E. Stanley Jones. There are countless stories like that. Girolamo Savanarola, Blaise Pascal, Madame Guillon, Jonathan Edwards, John Fletcher, Thomas Akempis, Charles Finney, Phoebe, Far Phoebe Palmer, hundreds of others, thousands of others. All of them describe similar rendezvous with the Holy Spirit after their conversions, mighty encounters that were never ends in themselves, but were preludes to mission. That was the Spirit's way at Pentecost, and that has been the Spirit's way ever since then. Why? Because to be the witnesses that Jesus wants us to be, showing love to our persecutors, speaking up when we are threatened, doing greater works even than Jesus did, we need something that we have not got in ourselves. Our brains, our brawn, even our brands aren't enough. Without the filling of the Holy Spirit, our errand to the world is unattainable. It is unrealistic in the extreme. It's utterly impossible. Now, about a week ago, 150 Asbury Seminary students drove off or flew off to advance the good news in North America and around the world. They thought they had got what they needed in Wilmore, and now they could go, and so they did. But what have they got? An education, a call to a church, a degree, well, yes, all those things. Some of them even got a spouse. But how sad it would be if they went out of Wilmore with all that but lacked the most indispensable gift of all. At Asbury, our mantra is the very best thing that ever comes out of Wilmore are theologically educated men and women. Well, actually, that's not our mantra. It's only part of it. Here's the whole of it. The best thing that ever comes out of Wilmore are theologically educated, sanctified, spirit-filled men and women called to evangelize and spread scriptural holiness throughout the world through the love of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit for the glory of God the Father. So, know this, God will be pleased if you do well in your studies or your service here at Asbury. But God will be tickled pink if you take the next step and seek his power and gifts for ministry. God has a far greater purpose than many of you have so far imagined. If you think that God has called you here to learn how to babysit a church or to preach an impressive sermon or to serve well in a Christian organization, think again because he has called you here to equip you for his mission and from across the street to around the world send you out in the power of the Holy Spirit. But you need to ask. You need to knock. You need to wait earnestly, urgently, patiently. Sometimes I say of my courting of Evie, my wife, I chased her till she caught me. That, my friends, is how you let the Holy Spirit catch you, too. Shall we pray? Thank you, good Lord, for your good spirit.
who gives us gifts that we have not in ourselves for the work that you have called us to do. Help us to be faithful in that work. Help us to find your task for us and to follow it and to finish it in your power. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.